0: Maybe open your palms towards heaven, and right where you are seated, with as much faith that you can muster up, invite the Spirit of God to come and speak to you this morning. Invite the Word of God to do the work of God in your heart today. And I want to give you just some space. Many of you have walked in and you have uh, concerns, burdens, uh, a weight that is crushing you or a loved one. Uh, Let's take a few moments just in silence to pray for those that are suffering today. We think of all those families that were impacted when the boat burned over a week ago out here in the Channel Islands. Let's, let's remember that those families who continue to suffer today. And then anybody in your life right now, just take a moment to lift them up to God, that God would extend mercy and grace and pursue them with goodness and love. Father, we confess that with so much tragedy in our world, day after day, week after week, it's easy to grow callous, hard-hearted, indifferent, And, and we confess as your people. We don't wanna be that way. We wanna be people like Jesus. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. He was filled with compassion. He hurt with people who were hurting. He suffered with people who were suffering, and we enter into that this morning. Would you give us hearts that are bigger than ourselves, give us a greater capacity to walk with people in our lives that you bring across our path, who are lonely, who are hurting, who are in a season of hardship. God, fill us with your love that we might help people in their time of need that you bring into our lives. And now speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, a family in our church, their son, uh, close friends, their son uh, got married up in Portland. And so Natalie and I had the opportunity to actually visit a church. I'm gonna invite the kids. I see our, uh, our, our youth, dynamic youth leaders, Youth folks, why don't you get up and go? Okay, I get, I get it. Get up and go if you're in uh, fifth grade and higher, right? Yes. Yell it out. Wait, wait, yes. What? yes. There you go. Um, so we were at this church. I, I can't even remember the name of it, but uh, I want to say it, it's called Bridgetown, a pastor named John Mark Comer who's written some books, and uh, we listened to some of his podcasts. But it, it's it's actually really a gift to be in another church, sitting where you are seated, and receiving and experiencing the ministry of the church. We're so often right giving to the ministry of the church. It's not often that we get to be on the receiving end of the ministry of the church. So we were uh, we were up in Portland a few weeks ago. And sitting there in that church, they they do something every week. And it really, I talked to one of their uh, leaders, somebody on their leadership team. They call them a board of elders up there. And uh, I asked him about that. And he says, we want to remind ourselves as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, that we actually don't have to, but we want to be generous people. And so every week, they actually stand up and they affirm their desire to be generous people. So I'm going to invite you. We're going to try this today. I just thought, let's just do it. Let's just steal their idea. It's a good one. If you want to be a generous person in your life, if you want to be more like God in that way, would you just stand up where you are? Just stand up. I think we have on the screen a reading. There we we have it. We're going to read this in unison together like we mean it. And uh, we choose generosity. Here we go, together. As followers of Jesus, we find our wealth and worth in Him. We brought nothing into this world and can't take anything with us when we leave it. As followers of Jesus, we commit ourselves to resist greed, which destroys our heart and brings only grief. We are determined to practice generosity with open hands and open hearts, finding our security in Jesus, not in the uncertainty of wealth. As followers of Jesus, we commit to love well and live generously, willing to share all we have, acknowledging that all we have comes from him. Give somebody a high five and say, "Let's be generous together." <clears throat> All right, grab a seat. We're in a series it's called Unfinished. We're walking through 1st or 2nd Peter chapter 1 if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. If you have a cell phone, you can get on our app, you can take notes. I was told that uh, today you were not given a program. The uh, millennials are trying to get us off programs and, and completely onto the app, so we're going to try this. Uh, I'm an old guy. I like the program, but I'm also a leader that wants to grow and be teachable, so I'm I'm willing to go without the program. Are you? Get on the app uh, or follow on the screen or pull out your journal or be like me and bring bring your paper Bible and your journal. That's okay, too. Um Last week, we looked at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, and really the big idea was that God wants to be known. God wants to be known, and God makes himself known. And he makes himself known through creation. We looked at that, through being out in, in nature, that, that nature is actually shouting to us that God is here, God is real, God is behind it all. God makes himself known through the person of Jesus. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? Look at the person of Jesus. God makes himself known through Scripture, through the Bible, all of Scripture's God breathed. And it's useful for transforming us and making us more like Jesus. And then God makes himself known through his spirit that he deposits inside of us. He places his spirit when we open our heart to him. When we go from here to here, he puts his spirit in us. When we welcome him into our lives, he says, I put my spirit in you to give you the capacity, the ability, the power to live a new life. And he makes himself known through his spirit. So this morning, I want to read the next two verses. Last week was verse one and two. Today, verses three and four. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Spoiler alert, that's the big idea this morning. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. Do you believe that? We're going to talk about that this morning. We've received all of this, how? By coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. God has given us everything, given you everything you need to live a a godly life. The question is, do you want to live a godly life? What is a godly life? Casey and I, when we met this week, we're putting together the service. We started talking about What is a godly life? She looks it up on Webster's Dictionary, and here's what it means. Here's godliness. Here's what it means to be godly, dutiful, reverent, pious, devout, religious, saintly. Eh, Maybe not. Maybe not. Right? Maybe not. You read those words, and one, it feels unattainable, but even more than that, it feels undesirable. I'm not sure I really want that, but we started talking about godliness. What are, what are the images that you, that I, we have in our mind to be godly? Godliness doesn't mean you have to talk Christianese. Praise the Lord. Hey, brother in Christ, are you spreading the gospel today? Some of us, we hear that, we're like, whoa, is that, is that what it means to be Godly. Godliness doesn't mean you have to wear a suit and tie to church or that polyester leisure suit. Godliness doesn't mean that you can't dance, laugh until you snort, or drink a beer with your buddies. So what does godliness mean? What is God like? That's the bigger question. Godliness, God, is that something you, do you want to live a godly life? He's given you everything you need to live a godly life. I just, I, I played with the, the word godly. I made it into an acronym. Started thinking about my own uh, journey with Christ and thinking about who God is and what he's like. We're going to throw it on the screen. What if godliness has more to do with G-O-D-L-Y? The G is generous. What if becoming godly is becoming like God in his generosity? He gave his life Generously for this world to make the mission possible. Godly people, the most godly people I know are generous people. What about the O, open. Open like Mary, letting God speak to her, shifting her plans, shifting her agenda, being open to God's agenda. Openness like Mary. Godly people are open, open to feedback open to growing, open to getting out of my comfort zone to make a difference for God's kingdom. What about the D? The D is discipline. Like Paul encouraged Timothy, train yourself to be godly. He didn't say try hard to be godly. He said train yourself to be God. Living a disciplined life is living a godly life, doing what I need to do instead of recklessly following my impulsive desires. A godly person is self-controlled. They're disciplined, able to make the right decisions when they need to, And, and, and God gives us everything we need to live that way. What about the L for loving, maybe listening, living beyond yourself, just like Jesus? Oh, yeah, Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. A godly person lives a life of love. where are other-centered. And then the why, yielded like Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's possible, take the cup of suffering from me. That's what he was feeling in the moment following his desires. I don't, I, I, I don't want to have to drink this cup. I don't want to have to go to the cross. But, and here's the yielding prayer, not my will, but your will be done. A surrendering, a yielding. Godly people live a yielded life. Daily yielding to the spirit of God. This is not spiritual foolishness. This is spiritual godliness to yield. I love this little proverb. We don't have it on the screen. Proverbs 13, 9. The life of the godly is filled with light and joy. Do you think about that? Godliness, light, and joy. Your life is filled with light and joy the more godly you become. Not grumpy and cranky. If you've been in the church for 30, 40, 50 years and you're becoming more grumpy and cranky, you are not becoming more godly. You're becoming more grumpy and cranky. All right, are you with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. Maybe elbow the person next to you if you're thinking of them right now. Just kidding, don't do that. All right, here's the question Is that godly life attainable? Is it possible? The Bible says, that we have everything we need. In Jesus Christ, we have everything we need to live a godly life. And it's because of three things that I find in this passage. There are three P words, those of you that want to take notes. It's his power, it's his pursuit, and it's his promises. His power, his pursuit, and his promises. I have everything I need to live a godly life because God has given me his, the word says, divine power. Did you see that right there in verse 3 by his divine power not by me trying super hard on my own strength God puts his spirit in me listen to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 Now all glory to God who is what's the word able through his mighty power at work within us who is able through his mighty power at work within us, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God can do anything because he's put his divine power in you. I've used this example on many occasions. Think your life is like a baseball mitt, a glove. I know you Dodger fans here are celebrating seven division championships way to go. Maybe this century you'll win a World Series like the Giants, but <clears throat> just kidding. Um, but in the spirit of baseball, you know, a glove, if, if I think of my life like a glove without a hand in it, it cannot accomplish its God-given destiny and purpose. It, it really doesn't become what it was made to become. But when, when I put my hand in the glove, now all of a sudden, this mitt can become all that it was designed to become. And your life and my life is like this. God takes his spirit and he puts it inside of us so that we can live a godly life, so that you can love well and live generously, so that you can be open to feedback and and not insecure, but open to grow and get better, so that you can pursue a disciplined life, so that you can listen and live beyond yourself and live this way. And so you have the courage to yield yourself to your own desires and surrender and yield to a greater purpose, his will, not your own will. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, God is working in you. Just stop right there. Did you know that? God is actually working in your life right now, even as I'm speaking. And God's working in your life when you go through hardship and pain. And God is working in your life when he pours out blessing. And God is always at work in your life. What's he doing? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the what? Power to do what pleases him. He's at work. He gives you the desire to follow, to please him. And he gives you the capacity and the power to live it out. Friends, you have everything that you need to live a godly life. He's given you his power. Second, it's his pursuit. God's pursuing you. God doesn't go, okay, go be a godly person. You, you got saved, and now you're on your own. Talk to you later. He doesn't do that. We have received this by coming to know him. He called us to himself. That's how Our faith life begins. He pursued us. He has initiated relationship with us. He's reaching out to us. Psalm 23, verse 6. You guys know the the Lord is my shepherd. psalm, right? Towards the end, one of the great promises. Fix my mic. One of the great passages of Scripture. Listen to this. Surely... The psalmist prays, surely he's speaking to God, your goodness and unfailing love. Not your grumpiness, your anger and wrath. That's not what it says. It says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will, what's the word? Pursue me. Some days, when I'm behaving, When I'm at my best, when I'm holy, when I'm godly? No, all the days of my life. God is pursuing you every day of your life with goodness. He wants so much for you. He's pursuing you with unfailing love. I feel like a broken record every week, but the Bible just keeps shouting, unfailing love. God's full of unfailing love. And he's pursuing me and you all the days, not some of the days, not half the days, not my best days, every day. He's pursuing me. He's pursuing you. Pursuit. God sees you right here, right now. God knows you, and God loves you. Some of you, it's like, I've been told that my whole life. I'm praying right now, Lord, that this little knock on my head would crack somebody's mind open, heart open right now, Lord, right here. Some of us are so hard-hearted. We don't know how to receive love. How about right now you just stop and just allow yourself to be loved. Quit working so hard. Quit making excuses. Quit rationalizing why you can't or won't. Or maybe someday... How about right here, right now, you acknowledge there is a God, and he is good, and his love is unfailing, and he actually sees me, and he knows me, and he, he loves me, and he's pursuing me. I love that song that we sing. We're going to sing it uh, in a few moments here. It's called Reckless Love. It comes out of Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, verse 12. Jesus said this, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? He'll just say, hey, good luck. Stay warm and well-fed. I hope you don't die. No, that's not what it says. Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill? Why would he do that? And go out to search for the one that is lost. God is all about the one. He's all about the one, the one who wanders, the one who's lost. And then it goes on to say, and if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier He's not lecturing. He's happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Some of you this morning, that's you. I don't know how you got here in this place, but you would say, I, I've been spiritually wandering. I've been drifting. In our culture today, wandering is kind of like something, you know, all who wander wander. Are not You know, there's just kind of this, well, isn't that cool to wander? Okay, that's cool, but it's not cool to wander away from love. It's cool to wander toward love. Wander towards becoming the best version of yourself. It's not cool to wander into selfishness, into prejudice, into hate, into, and you fill in the blank, but when we wander, it's usually away from love. It's usually into selfishness, into me, me, me life. That's, that's what wandering really is about. And Jesus reminds us that he's all about the one. I hope that blows your mind. He leaves the 99 to go pursue the one that wandered away, the one that is lost, that's, that's here this morning. Some of you are going, no, he can't do that, God. How can he do that? There are billions of people. He couldn't possibly care about me. And you would be wrong because your mind and my mind is finite and God is infinite. I can't even get my head around that thought that God sees me and knows me and loves me. Even though there are billions of people, he sees you and knows you and loves you. And he's pursuing you with goodness and mercy. And because of that, That truth, because of that truth, you have everything you need to live a godly life. His power, his pursuit, and then his promises. Scripture says we have everything we need to become that godly person because of his promises. Psalm 145, I love this, from the Passion Translation. You are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made I love that. Underline that. Circle it. Star it. You, he's praying to God, you are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. You manifest yourself as kindness. That's God. Kindness in all you do. Weak and feeble ones will you will sustain. Those bent over with burdens of shame, you will lift up. There's some promises right there. My wife has a little book on our little stand in between where we have our little chair time, God time in the morning, and it says, uh, Bible promises for women. I'm like, why do they got to do it for women? Don't they apply to men too? I'm like, I can read that. It's not just for women. It's Bible promises are for all of us. Listen to some of these promises. God promises to forgive us, to rescue us, to set us free. He promises that nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing neither life nor death, nothing. He promises to fill us with his spirit, to give us abilities and spiritual gifts and use us to help others. He promises to help you in your time of need, to guide you into truth, all truth. He promises to pursue you with a love that never fails, that never gives up, that never runs out. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. And all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ with a resounding yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So let me stop us right here. I'm going to bring us to the table. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. We're going to do something different. Some of you are going, it's not the first Sunday of the month. Why are we doing communion? Because we can. (laughs) We can. God, through Jesus, God has given you everything. Through Jesus, God has given you everything. What we're going to do is we've asked, I think, 10 people to be the first ones to come up and partake of the bread and the cup. But then what they're going to do is they're going to turn around, and you're going to come, and when you come, they're going to say to you, Through Jesus, God has given you everything you need. Say that out loud with me. Through Jesus, God has given you everything you need. Let's just, through Jesus, God has given you everything you need. I ask, and and then what's going to happen is you're going to partake of the bread, you're going to dip it in the cup and eat, and then you're going to turn around, and then you're going to serve the next person. God's going to use you now, the one who feels inadequate, the one who feels like you're not very godly, being godly isn't about you. It's about what God has done. It's his power. It's him pursuing you. It's his promises that declare you righteous, not you going like this. And you're going to say to the next person, you're going to hold the bread and the cup, and you're going to say, through Jesus, God has given you everything you need. Do you get how we're doing this? Through Jesus, God has given you everything you need. Take, it, Rip off the bread, dip it in the, in the cup. Casey um, had a comment that I said I want you to share I want you to share your reflections we need to hear from you more. We were talking about God has given you everything you need and she was going well some people are going to be like uh uh tell us more. Yeah, I mean I was just imagining there have been times that I would stand there and maybe hear that spoken over me and I don't know if I believe it. You know, it's I could list off, I could give evidence like not here, not here, not here, not here and I think it's just that perspective shift that if we believe that he is who he says he is and his promises are true, then we can believe this promise. Even if we don't totally, under, like, like he was saying, we're finite. We don't totally understand what it looks like. But maybe that's your call this morning is to come and go, okay, where I'm standing, I don't know that I can see where God has given me all that I need. But I trust that he wants to and he can and he is And maybe I just needed to take it to Christ in me, believe his presence is enough. Yeah. And giving us everything that we need is different than giving us everything that we want. Amen? On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He broke it with his closest friends, the disciples. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take it. Eat it in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. And then he said, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You're proclaiming his death, that it's real, that he has rescued you, forgiven you, and saved you. And so you're invited to come if you're leaning in to the truth that there is a Savior and his name's Jesus. You might not have it all figured out, But if you actually want to live a godly life like we talked about, you're welcome to come. You're welcome to come. If you've been wandering for days, months, years, drifted away, lost, but today you find yourself in this place, today you're invited to come. You don't earn it. You receive it. So come and receive it, and then come and give it away to the next person. So I'm going to invite you to come when you're ready. We're going to sing. We're going to experience the unfailing love of God as expressed in Jesus. Through Jesus, God has given you everything you need. Amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.